Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Why did Bruce Cassidy get fired from his first NHL job? Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. You could find us at Lockdown VGK on Twitter and YouTube. Myself at Tony Dasco on Twitter. Chris Golick at TD Chris G on Twitter. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, today, an investigative report. So we, we dug up a 2003 story from the Washington Post this past week, and this was from Jason LaConfora, and this pretty much outlined some of the reasons why Bruce Cassidy might have been fired by the Washington Capitals. And uh, this is really damaging to Bruce Cassidy. We know that he was a very young coach at the time, and now, of course, he's put things together and he's matured as a coach. And he was a Jack Adams uh, award winner in the 2019-2020 season and the new head coach of the VGK. But some of the reasons behind the scenes, according to La Confora, uh, this again is based on a 2003 story in the Washington Post behind the scenes said the claims were that he was very disorganized, took out a napkin and he put down some notes on a blackboard. One player said it was bad from the start. It looked like Cassidy perhaps was just winging it. He was fired just 15 months, which raised a lot of red flags for myself and Chris, and we had to investigate what happened. 15 months, 28 games into his second season. Uh, the firing after Cassidy apologized to veterans who were mad about Cassidy and a lot of remarks that he made questioning whether family lives were affecting their play. He was just 37 years old at the time, no NHL head coaching experience, a bad move by George McPhee at the time, who said that he saw a young guy with a very good reputation. And at the time when they fired him, they said the firing was based on the team's record and performance. But you have to believe that there was so much more to this story at the time. It was a very young Bruce Cassidy who was not prepared for his first time to shine as the head coach on the bench for the Washington Capitals. No doubt. And I think before we get too deep into this, you've already said it twice. And I, I want to reiterate, this is 2003 we're talking about, you know, basically 20 years ago. If I think about where I was a human 20 years ago, as I was just in my early 20s, you know, leaving home and stuff like that, you know, it, it didn't necessarily go too well for me. And, you know, I didn't necessarily make some of the best uh, decisions working wise and financially and stuff. And, you know, so let's before anyone, uh, you know, takes what we're saying as Bruce Cassidy is a poor hire or anything like that, let's definitely not, you know, make sure that gets painted here. Um, now, moving on to some of the things in the article, one of the biggest things that I saw was basically Cassidy making comments about there being personal interference amongst the players on his roster. Uh, one of the players actually had a son that was autistic. Um, you know, there were, there's pregnant wives, and Cassidy even made the comments that 
players are distracted with what's happening at home with their kids and pregnant wives and such. And that seemed to be the end of it. You know, that was the that was the comment that you don't take back, which is what the players were saying. Um, you know, starting from walking in there and not making that good first impression as a leader, just kind of writing things on the blackboard. And, you know, I'm just picturing what that room looks like. So Cassidy walks in, right? You have these multi-million dollar successful athletes sitting in the room, you know, and it's just quiet. There's no talking. Everyone's kind of waiting to see, hey, let's let's see what this new guy is all about. And obviously, um, from the word go, it was not a good relationship. We certainly know he's grown since then. And there were uh, remarks about communication problems, constantly changing the lines, and just types of things that at the NHL level, you don't necessarily do it. At the AHL level, there's a lot of experimenting. You want to see where the players click, how they develop, moving them from center to wing and such like that, moving them to opposite wings. That, that's what the AHL and below is for. You want to develop these players and see what works. Once they're at the NHL level, they have relatively defined roles. Sure, you move a player sometimes like uh, Chandler Stevenson from the wing to the center at the NHL level, and you know his career flourishes. That certainly can happen. But if you are constantly changing the lineup, when you have a healthy lineup, VGK situation was different last year with injuries, of course. But when you are constantly changing a healthy lineup and doing it all the time, like we're not talking just a, a change here or there during the game, you know, that's that's tough. There's remarks about changing systems on the fly, practices going longer than 90 minutes, just all these things that seem like it was disaster from the moment uh he met the players for the very first time and uh, out there. Yeah. And again, it's not an indictment on Bruce Cassidy, more or less. I think uh, the message here that we want to set out today and be positive about it is his growth and growth. Yep. He should never should have been in the position in the first place to get hired there. He just did not have the NHL coaching experience. Uh, they took a flyer on him. Uh, they said that heading into his first season, he only had time to watch, the final 12 games of the 2001-2002 season before he takes on this job. He had a very loose plan. They said the players made several on-ice decisions themselves. All signs of a very immature or young coach, right? Again, and when they hired him, I, I found it interesting that you get you guessed it, uh, George McPhee uh, said that he, they needed a new voice in the locker room after Ron Wilson was fired after I think like five years and they changed lines a lot to your point. Yarmir Yager and Robert Lang were so upset and they called him out on it. And then there's the history, right. Of uh, again, taking things out and earning your dues. If you are a rookie, there was a rookie goaltender uh, by the name of Sebastian Carpentier and uh, Carpentier was on the receiving end of a tirade by Cassidy, who unloaded on him. They said he was embarrassed in front of the team, and he had to sort of walk it back, And but he lost a lot of the players and their confidence uh, in the interim, too. And then Cassidy and Yager were in a screaming match uh, one time. They said that they had to separate Cassidy and a player by the name of Brandon Witt, a defenseman, uh, because those two were close to getting uh, coming to blows all the signs of a very young, inexperienced coach. And this one 
I guess could also be maybe this is the redemption tour for George McPhee because he knew we made a poor hire at the time with a young and inexperienced head coach. This is not on Cassidy as much as it's on George McPhee. So now he gets a chance to turn it around. 1996, 97 ECHL with the Jacksonville Lizard Kings. What a name. Uh, 97, 98, same team. They both uh, made it to the playoffs. 98, 99, Indianapolis Ice IHL, not the AHL. Keep in mind the IHL, which at the time was a few ticks below the AHL. Uh, head coach with the with the Ice. 1920 ECHL head coach tre- head coach Trenton Titans back to the ECHL. IHL Grand Rapids 2000 2001 and then that's when they made the jump to the AHL in the following season 2001 2002. So from 96 to 2002 ECHL IHL one season in the AHL gets to go to the Capitals all of a sudden as a head coach and takes them to the playoffs in their first season. I mean let's uh just look at the results division. for a second. Sure. So Yes, I, I'm having a hard time understanding why Cassidy was appointed to that position. What I want to look up right now is what the date was Cassidy was hired by the Capitals. Because I'm curious, the comments about there being, and if you got a second, Tony, looked it up on your side while I kind of chat here for a second. What day was Cassidy hired? Because how could there only be enough time to view 12 or so games worth of footage. I mean, was he hired like two weeks before the season was going to start? Like after the draft, after, um, after the, the camp and stuff has started. I, I I'm not necessarily buying that as far as, um, as that goes. So I definitely want to find out what the timetable was. I'm trying to find it on my side here. It's not that easy while well, I'm kind of yapping here a little bit, no, but it's not that easy anyway to find it. Fair enough. Good. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe this is a McPhee redemption hire, I I guess. I mean, I don't know the way McCrimmon is. He certainly seems to uh, have all of the control lately. So I think this is probably more of a a McCrimmon hire based on his results. And I'm sure him and McPhee had a conversation about it. And my guess is McPhee definitely had to sign off on this and potentially um, uh, Bill Foley, too. Hopefully, I mean, with Bill Foley's uh, newfound interest in the operation of the team you would think he would have a have a voice in this but yeah just so many red flags about a young coach then what's concerning to me now is there were comments made by the gm out there in boston about communication issues and such and cassidy also did take some accountability for that and says he still needs to grow well, you know, these are some of the old uh, the old demons uh, showing their faces here. And, you know, the skeletons in the closet, so to speak, is probably a better way to say that. And Vegas is going to be a tough place. I mean, Vegas in, in five short years has become a high pressure venue that demands results. I mean, we're, we're spoiled as VGK fans. Stanley Cup season one, Stanley Cup contender season two, go out, you know, not a major, whatever. Seasons three and four, we get uh, three games from going back to the Stanley Cup. And last year, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable washing and moving on with based on the injuries. So that even puts more pressure on Cassidy. So if Cassidy can't get out of the gates and, you know, win seven of the first, you know, 10, 11 games, 
or worse if this team starts off like two and nine or something, which is certainly in play, depending on how things shake out. How is Cassidy going to handle that? Are these practices at City National going to start going uh, two hours? Are the players going to be out there doing ladders after practice is over? Is he going to have uh, Raswan and Logan Thompson out there, uh, you know, carrying uh, the the veterans uh, equipment around, you know, and stuff like that? Like, how how is this all going to happen? And I certainly hope uh, we don't see any of the old skeletons emerging from the closet. Well, the one thing that has continued, again, is the treatment of the young players benching players we will see a lot of that here in las vegas and just wondering how bgk will handle that uh one good thing that did come out of his firing um, as the 2003-2004 season uh for washington because they stunk so bad they were able to win the draft lottery and they chose alex ovechkin as a part of that so he is a success i guess if you look at it in those terms back in dc and twice he was late for the team bus. Two times they said, players said that he was late for the team bus. And there's just a lot of uh, skeletons, <laughs> skeletal remains in the closet uh, for Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no doubt. There's a lot of things that you go back and read. And, you know, I wonder um, what the conversation was that took place. I mean, let's just pretend McCrimmon's doing the same thing that you and I are doing, uh, digging up these articles and stuff. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy's name is out there. You look at his outstanding, outstanding track record uh, in Boston, starting with the uh, Providence at the AHL level, then going up to the, to the, to the national league and, you know, all the playoff runs and deep playoff runs and everything Cassidy accomplished, how players were developed under him, how stars got themselves a higher ceiling and played beyond their potential. So he's done a lot of absolutely remarkable things. There has been a lot of growth, but going back to my, my comment here, you know, you wonder if McCrimmon did the same thing we did. They dig up, he digs up this article, reads this and sits back and drinks his coffee and says, holy blank, blank, blank. And, you know, some swear words come out. He calls McPhee you know, is, was McPhee campaigning? Like, listen, that's 20 years ago. Let's move forward. Was it the opposite? Was McCrimmon the one campaigning saying, listen, this is 20 years ago. This guy is going to be fine. Look at what he did. Or was there a mutual agreement that, hey, you know, he, he's grown, you know, blank happens. Uh, he wasn't ready at the time. He's ready now. And then where is Foley in all this? Is he just going to go along with what McPhee and McCrimmon say? Was Foley the one doing what we're doing, digging up these articles like, Guys, okay, you got to convince me. And then he pulls up the article on his computer screen, flips it around to McPhee and uh, and McCrimmon, who are sitting across from him in his office. Like, guys, explain this. And then uh, McPhee and McCrimmon get a little uncomfortable in their chair. They sit back, you know, and uh, uncross their legs maybe and, you know, scoot forward because their, their body language doesn't look good. Like, you, you just wonder how all of this stuff goes. And, you know, there's all these uh, behind the scenes type documentaries that are out there. ESPN 30 for 30 is a great one. And there's a lot of other great ones out there. I just wish we could get a look at these types of conversations that take place unfiltered, you know, just what the coaches and or what the GMs and presidents are really saying about these players as they're working through these incredibly difficult decisions. That would be an amazing show for me personally to watch. Yeah, and if uh, Bruce Cassidy will take on a Yaramir Yager, he'll <laughs> definitely take on a Jack Eichel. That's the moral of the story, too. 
Fair Coming enough. up next, we've got uh, the VGK odds to win the Stanley Cup in 2023. Stay tuned. You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably try the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at Bill have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. They're now available in puffs. And again, it's the flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Uh, but again, you need to stop drooling right now. They're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com now and make sure that you don't miss out. Built.com are going to go fast. These are definitely one of the hottest uh, flavors going because they taste amazing. And Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of healthy benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Delicious coconut rich sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs right now. And we'd like to give a major shout out today to one of our listeners, Todd White. Todd White. He was tantalizing both myself and Chris by sending us uh, some photos of the Built Bars that he had purchased at Built.com. And that's quite a collection. Thanks so much for uh, your support once again, Todd White. And go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off at Built.com. Once again, the promo code LOCK15. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And you saw that nice uh, bounty that uh, Todd White had posted the other day. We really appreciate his support. <laughs> that was good. He got me hungry there. No doubt. No doubt. It's, uh, I mean, you know, we got some props here. We got, we have one of the fastest growing uh, podcasts amongst the Lockdown Network for uh, yeah. the IHL side. So I guess kudos to, uh, everyone hanging out and giving me motivation to wake my butt up at six 30 at seven, you know, seven in the morning to, uh, to record this for you all. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here. Uh, okay. So Chris, what are the odds, uh, for VGK to win the Stanley cup in 2023? So uh, bet has them right now plus 1400. So 14 to one is the easy way to look at that. The spread right now, um, amongst the books, uh, FanDuel looks like is, a plus 1,000 or 10 to 1, then the highest you're going to get is actually with BetMGM at plus 1,400 right now. So I guess just a, a little thing for the listeners who don't necessarily do a lot of sports betting, it, it pays to do your research and find the best value out there. Uh, listen, if you're someone you just put 20 bucks, 30 bucks on a bet every now and then, you know, whatever, just go ahead and toss it on there and have fun. But if you are someone, especially if you like to chase futures, longer bets and stuff like that, do your homework. Uh, a good website, uh, VegasInsider.com, or if you simply have um, you know, a sportsbook app on your phone to see what the odds are, and you can compare. Because if you do you know, sports bet you know, a little more than the average person, maybe uh, you know, your average bets are in the hundreds instead of in the 20s, it pays to do that research because you know, would you rather have... You know, if you put a hundred bucks down, would you rather have, you know, $1,400 or 
or would you rather have $1,000 when the dust settles? You look at it like that, and if you spread your money out amongst 20, 25 bets or so, all of a sudden you're talking thousands of dollars you could be missing out on if you are not shopping your futures bets. Um, as far as the way the odds look, you know, going back to 2017, 2018, the first VGK season, they opened at, you know, as high as 500 to one to win the cup that year, depending on where you went. I think most of the Vegas shops were in the plus 200 area just because they didn't want a lot of liability out there. Uh, going back to 2017, 2018, sports betting was just scratching expansion outside of Las Vegas at the time. So where I'm going with this is there was a regional bias as far as the Vegas Golden Knights wins. Once the Vegas Golden Knights started doing well, of course, the odds dropped extremely quickly. And also because it was the first professional sports franchise in Vegas. And at the time, Vegas was the only place you could still legally make any type of sports wager. And throughout the season, the Golden Knights odds like to win just home games and stuff were extremely diluted, again, because of that regional bias. Well, now fast forward to, you know, as we approach the 22-23 NHL season, sports sports betting is now nationwide. The growth and expansion has really been hyper growth, especially driven by all these online platforms opening up in different regions. Uh, DraftKings and uh, FanDuel basically leading that charge. Of course, BetMGM, Caesars and everything. And, you know, many different books are also expanding. So now in Vegas, we're not going to get taxed as much when we want to make a bet on the Golden Knights. It's not only people in Vegas supporting the Golden Knights. We now have people in other cities that are driving the odds and such. So the odds are much more favorable if you do want to bet VGK. If VGK, excuse me, if sports betting was only legal and licensed in Nevada, I think the odds would probably be a lot shorter, probably in the plus eight or 900 area, because let's face it, in, in Vegas, if you think the Gold Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup, you don't care what the odds are. You're going to take out that 20. You're going to take out that 100. You're going to walk into a Bellagio or MGM. You're going to make that bet. Well, now that we have sports betting all over the country, money coming in from the other markets, now you can get some of that value back. Um, as far as what, what do I think? I mean, are they going to dethrone Colorado who's plus 450 or Toronto oddly enough is the second favorite in the plus eight to 900 area Tampa is just a tick behind Florida is even coming in at 10 12 to 1 that surprises me I don't uh, think for a second uh, Paul Maurice is going to take that team to the promised land because he hasn't done it with anyone yet although I think it is an improvement in the experience department over Andrew Burnett's so maybe they'll do better I, I don't know uh, Vegas basically slots in around the sixth favorite for the cup in the 14 in the 10 to one, 14 to one range, which is fine. I think it's a fair number and that number might drastically change between now and the fall, depending on a, what the pool is, how the money comes in on Vegas and on the other teams, sports books are always adjusting their odds on the fly to limit their risk and liability. Something else we can talk about in another show. We can, we can do a whole, whole half hour on that. No problem. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, just kind of see where the off season takes us, where the signings takes, takes us, uh, what trade or trades happen. And then ultimately, uh, the first two or three weeks of the regular season, you might see some big shifting in those numbers too. If Bruce Cassidy does not miss the bus, I feel VGK can win the Pacific division this upcoming <laughs> season. So that would be a good start. I'm sorry. 
the Honda Pacific Division. And our good, friends, the Honda bus. <laughs> our good friends at betonline.ag have the Vegas Golden Knights at 14 to 1. And right now, you're sort of you're betting blind, right? Because um, you really don't know what the roster changes are going to bring. But I feel like there will be new life infused into VGK. And I feel like Cassidy, he'll get it done here. Uh, and he's improved on all those areas. Uh, sorry for the massacre there in the first segment. Mm-hmm. I think that he'll be able to get things right uh, with his ship here in Las Vegas. And I still feel, you know, I still feel that this team at times, I, I hate to go against you here, but I think that the lines are sometimes, uh, especially when VGK is playing at home, overvalued. And I find some really good value on underdogs here uh, when they're playing at T-Mobile Arena. Oh, Tony, you are 100% right on that. And there is no better time to – to go for the underdogs in season one, because the reason I mentioned Vegas was watered down in season one was because you could only make sports bets in Las Vegas. That was the only place you could go. So of course, every Vegas golden Knight fan present company included and all my buddies, Frank and John and Chris and Josh and Jake on our little level. Uh, my wife refers to as our VGK nerd Facebook uh, group chats. You know, every night was golden nights and over golden nights and over. We didn't care what the odds were. They could be minus two fifty. The over could be, uh, you know, six and a half and at minus one fifty, just parlay Vegas golden nights and over. Well, there was a lot of games where, you know, there's a lot of games where the favor, where the dog was, you know, plus 200 or better, and they come in and smash VGK. That certainly did happen a few times, and there was much better value on the underdogs in season one than there is right now for that same exact reason with sports betting expanded, and there's no longer that regional bias for only Vegas money coming in on the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, it's, you know, I'm in a shout out sort of mood today. Uh, we have to shout out, right, Chris? Uh, Jordan Papierney. He is the new goaltender just signed by the Henderson Silver Knights. And we'll find out more about him. He's supposed to join us on the show, but congratulations to him. He's celebrating his honeymoon here in Las Vegas <laughs> this week. So congrats uh, to Jordan Papierney. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk about three teams that passed on Con Smythe winner Kale McCarr. That's coming up after this on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, uh, taking a look at Kale McCarr, you know, we've heard a lot about three teams uh, passing him up in the draft three years ago. He's just been in the league. It's hard to believe for three years. He seems like a season veteran. So New Jersey needed a center. I can't blame them. And they selected Nico Heeshear. And Heeshear has played 300 games, 206 points, 78 goals. Not the goal scorer that they expected him to be, uh, but 61 uh, points last season, or 60 points last season, just 21 goals. And then, number two, I bring this one up because – We don't know about his future and his career. Uh, Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick, last season with those recurring head injuries, uh, again, um, 25 games, only seven points. He's played in 222 career games, 77 points total, and a minus 36 throughout his career. So due to the health issues, uh, Patrick might be deemed a bust of sorts. 
And then uh, Mira Ohiskanen was drafted third ahead of Kale McCarr from Dallas, the defenseman. I think he's had a pretty good uh, career. Uh, 47 playoff games, 33 points, uh, a new head coach and Pete DeBoer, 70 uh, games uh, this past season. So pretty healthy. That team's been so healthy. Uh, 36 points uh, for Dallas. So as we unpack, you know, why teams might have selected those three players, you know, ahead of Kale McCarr, Nolan Patrick, let's talk about his future because I don't have him on the roster this upcoming season. Um, how did they get rid of, I think it's 2.4 million off the books. How did they get rid of uh, that money? Is there a way uh, for them to keep them on LTIR for one more season? Or how does how do they clear the cap space? Because Nolan Patrick should not be playing hockey again. I think his next head injury could be really damaging. Yeah, I mean, Nolan Patrick, he's got the, the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, background before uh, the Flyers and such. And, you know, you just hope he makes the best decision for his future, his family. Um, as far as if he's going to play hockey again and can that cap space be shed, I'm assuming it would be a similar deal like how we traded for Shea Weber. You you make a deal to take him off the books. I know there's discounts and stuff. I'm not completely abreast on, on uh, how that works. Just, just kind of looking back at the 2017 entry draft, uh, Elias Pettersson goes fifth and then Cody Glass, oops, to Vegas in sixth is was I wonder if there was any world where Kale McCarr could have slipped down to Vegas, and you just wonder how that story would have unfolded uh, should Kale McCarr had made it down that far. But you know, the only um, listen, New Jersey and Philadelphia, they made their selections based on their needs at the time. They weren't necessarily looking for a defenseman, at least a defenseman that high in the draft. They felt a hit, uh, Nico Hishar and Nolan Patrick are higher up on their depth charts. So the only you know spot where you can point at is Dallas. They've had Hiskanen over Kale McCarr on their uh, big board, so to speak. And I mean, Hiskanen's fine. He's he's got a fine career going: seventy games, thirty-six points. Um, and then 55 games, 27 points, 68 games, 35 points, 33 points in his first ever season. Interesting dynamic. In 18-19, he's a minus 14. In 19-20, he's a plus 14. So you definitely see some growth in his uh, just personal development there. But, you know, people passed on Michael Jordan in the draft, too. So people, you know, these, these teams always don't get this right, do they? No, not uh, very, not frequently enough. Uh, and, you know, the addition for Cal McCarr of the Conn Smythe uh, Trophy, uh, again, puts him in elite company. First NHL player to win the Conn Smythe and the Hobie Baker Award. That's the award that's given to the top player in NC2As. And then he also won the Norris Trophy earlier in the month. Uh, that is uh, the NHL's best defenseman. And he was the Calder trophy winner right as the nhl's rookie of the year he's just 23 years of age and a huge upside and if he can stay healthy when all said and done could be uh the top defenseman of all time just based on his early career but nolan patrick that interesting story that we talked about here on locked on uh back in the winter months when it broke uh bobby clark uh philadelphia flyers he said at the time that he tried to convince Ron Hextall not to take Nolan Patrick. You think that Patrick had all the tools and you know, things could have been a lot different for that Flyers organization 
if they would have passed there at uh, number two uh, with Nolan Patrick. But uh, he shares had a, you know, a decent career. Uh, Patrick, not so much. And he's getting OK. But again, no one uh, is uh, is Cal McCarr. Yeah, no, no doubt, 100 percent. And the only thing Cal McCarr hasn't done is uh, win uh, win an Olympic gold medal, which I'm sure he probably would have done had uh, had uh, the NHL gone to the Olympics uh, back in February. Instead, they couldn't go because of COVID and everything. Um, Cal McCarr also swept the Norris voting. Not that that's a surprise, but it's only happened a handful of times where a singular player has taken all of the first place votes. I mean, all the accolades, everything he's done. And, you know, he just doesn't look like you look at Kale McCarr. If you see him on the strip walking around, you know, that, that's not an NHL player. Like he just doesn't have that, that, that makeup necessarily. I mean, he's five foot 11, 187 for a defenseman. Like that doesn't work. Right. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just strange. That does not work as a defenseman, but he's so fast. He's so smart. He takes the right chances at the right times. And he's only had a handful of seasons. He's only coming into his fifth, well, technically his fourth season. He didn't play with the Avalanche in 1819. So coming into his fourth season, you know, players continue to grow for, you know, as much as their first eight to 10 years. I mean, it's not an NHL player's prime can last a long time. And you look at, you know, the older players, how they can still perform. And VGK does have a lot of players in their low to even mid thirties now who are still putting up numbers. Uh, You look at Joe Pavelski, he may never retire. I think Joe Thornton, he may never retire, you know, and they're still uh, contributing at different levels, but at at high levels for the most part. So, you know, can he be in, you know, a 70, 80, even a hundred point goal scorer for a decade or more to come? I mean, health and, Pending and stuff, why not? Colorado's in a good spot. They have a lot of, you know, younger talent around him. Uh, McKinnon's not necessarily younger. He was drafted in 12 or 13, but he's not going to slow down at least for the next four or five years. And so many other pieces in that lineup. I mean, McCarr can really strive for a long time. And uh, I feel bad for when his when his contract expires in four or five years, how much it's going to cost to uh, resign him. I was listening to the NHL Network yesterday, and they were – I think he has five years left on his on his current extension that he's playing on. And they put the over under at two and a half Stanley Cups. Like that's that that first of all, <laughs> if yeah, that, that's a crazy number. I'll take the under all day. I don't care who who's on the team. But you know, the fact that that is a discussion, two and a half Stanley Cups in five years for that avalanche team. I mean, maybe that's fair. It's not a it's not um an unwarranted or unjustified number winning three of the next five cups. That's extremely difficult folks, especially in the salary cap era. That said, we could be witnessing the start of a dynasty in Colorado, which does not bode well for the aging Vegas golden Knights with the new coach who can't make the bus. (laughs) He needs to arrive on time. And uh, Oh yeah. On the way out. Let's uh, again, let's uh, talk about something that we feel could really irritate or irk uh, the new head coach, Bruce Cassidy. The news yesterday out of Boston, uh, the general manager that fired Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney, inking a multi-year extension. And I will, if this were the NHL network, I would take uh, over under maybe on two and a half months and take the under. He has to, they still have to hire a head coach in Boston. They haven't (laughs) hired a head coach yet. 
Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of parallels. And uh, uh, the gentleman I was with uh, for the uh, the Boston podcast, uh, Ian, uh, Ian, Ian Thomas, I believe was his name. Uh, he just tweeted out like he, he's upset about the Sweeney situation. And, you know, I, I basically put a, a message out there like, yeah, I wonder if I'm going to put out a similar tweet in, you know, the next uh, approximate two and a half seasons where uh, we move on from Cassidy. We don't necessarily understand why, but the GM has no blame whatsoever. Um, listen, maybe, uh, maybe Sweeney and, you know, McCrimmon, they, uh, they talk, uh, they meet for coffee every now and then, and they talk about ways to uh, fool their presidents and fool their owner into, uh, you know, making them believe they're doing the, this wonderful job. And I, maybe that's a little bit harsh. Maybe it's not. Um, but come about December, we'll really know how good of a job McCrimmon and Sweeney are doing. Sweeney's in a different spot in Boston. I don't know if if they're going to put themselves in a spot to compete next year with their, their Boston's getting like old, a rebuild. That looks yeah, like Boston's a getting old, yeah. you know, but they have to decide what they're, I mean, you can't rebuild with, with Marshand and Poshnok on that roster. Like that's not a, those are not players you can rebuild with based on their age right now. So you wonder if they're going to make some moves in the off season. You wonder if uh, VGK will knock on the door, some of that Boston talent and, you know, shift out, uh, you know, some of our VGK mainstays in favor of you know some big names from boston who knows well thank everyone for tuning in on today's episode of locked on golden knights thanks for making us your first listen thanks for supporting us there todd white with uh, purchasing your built bars we're so jealous we've got fomo today uh we thank you all for tuning in once again tony cardasco for my man chris golic we thank you all we'll see you again tomorrow right here on locked on golden knights